Looking for a football show with a bit of a twist? Ferguson has a knack for seeing Maverick and, you know, kind of creative genius and sort of letting it flow. Team 33, the football magazine show for the football purists. The very best interviews with the cult heroes of the past and a look at the cultural side of football. Team 33, live at 9pm every Friday on OTB Sports Radio. Live 24-7 on the OTB Sports app. The OTB Podcast Network. Brady and Belichick have been at the forefront of the credit in New England for the last 20 years. OTB's American Football Show. The Snap on OTB Sports Radio. And you are indeed very welcome along to this week's edition of The Snap. It's Jerry Roy with you every Friday alongside Ronan Mullen and Kean Fahey. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome. Kean, did you stay up and watch the game live as it unfolded last night? Are you a bit bleary-eyed for us this afternoon? I'm a little bit bleary-eyed, but it wasn't up. The game itself actually moved fairly quickly, and I, I, I'm suspecting that the NBC had fewer ads than usual, which might be just related to the lack of production and stuff that they could do beforehand. And there was very few penalties. There was two penalties by the start of the third quarter, which is just bizarre. Laramie Tunsil obviously getting his uh, his weekly no. penalty. It was the other right tackle. It was Titus Howard. Larry Tunsil got blamed for one. It wasn't him, actually. All right, OK. So he, he just has that reputation. It, uh, it goes before him. For, for people who don't know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's good at football. The Kansas City Chiefs, they're good at football. Houston, OK at football and not good enough to uh, compete over the course of a full 60 minutes. Is that about it? The sad part of that is Patrick Mahomes wasn't particularly good last night. Well, he was fine, but he wasn't that sharp that he that you expect him to be normally. And it, like, if you watched the playoff game last year, this was basically a condensed version of the playoff game. The Texans went 7-0 up. They held the Chiefs early. The Chiefs had a couple of misses. The defensive coordinator of the Texans was outstanding. He confused Mahomes, got him panicking at different times, and had missed open throws that he should have made. There was a dropped interception as well. So the, the Texans had all these missed chances, and they got to uh, a two-minute warning where they were down 14-7, and the Chiefs had just got their first touchdown, and Bill O'Brien came out running the ball. It, with two and a half minutes left, they came out running the ball. They took a long field goal, missed the field goal. The Chiefs had 22 seconds, went up and got a field goal. So in that, that two-minute spell, you had the, the Texans not getting anything at all when they should have been getting seven. The Chiefs getting three when they should have gotten nothing. And that was like the capture of the game, and that's the capture of those two teams. And everyone on Twitter last night in the first drive of the third quarter, Clyde Edwards-Alaire scored, and Bill O'Brien kept running the ball. He just hasn't learned. He's way too conservative. He didn't go for it in an early fourth down and you really did go for it in early fourth down it's the Texans are worse than they were last year and Bill O'Brien is the same as he was last year which equals to a worse team was there a fake punt uh, on fourth down that they will regret for the rest of their lives perhaps there wasn't even that but in the second in the second half when they were down by 17 points he was still running the ball and when he got to fourth downs he said oh it was too far for us to go for it it was fourth and four like, if you're not going to go for down 17, 4 and 4 in the third quarter, the late third quarter, when are you going to go for it? When yeah. are you going to be aggressive? What's, it, it, yeah. what's the difference in losing there? even more? Like, that's, that is definitely something that um, so many of these teams, the advanced analytics, and uh, they're just not listening to them because there's literally no point in losing a game uh, unless, you know, you're a gambler. Uh, and we're not suggesting that for an instant. But, like, it, it makes no difference. Like, you may as well lose in a blowout as try and. Uh, and win those games. So, okay, there, there's no conclusion to be drawn apart from Kansas City have essentially slowly 
rolled back into some kind of form and we should expect them to be just as good over the course of the season as they were last year. And that rookie running back is pretty good. Yeah, and a lot of people picked him early in drafts. We were supposed to pick the uh, AFC teams um, that were going to win their divisions last week. I failed to, uh, to be a good host. So, Ronan, I'm going to start with you. The AFC East, who is going to win the AFC East? Um, I mean, is anybody going to stop the Patriots? It's a tough one, isn't it? I know some people have picked the Dolphins, which uh, kind of struck me a little bit, but I think that's a little bit premature. Um, give, give me one word answer for these because we've got to talk about the NFC this week. So, Yeah, I'm going to go for the Bills, I think. Okay, Keen. Did we lose you there, Keen? I think we might have. Who's going to win the AFC East, Keen? Uh, I'm taking the Patriots. Grant. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Patriots too because I'm very conservative. The AFC North, do we need to talk about this? It's just the Ravens all around, is it? Yeah. I think it's the Ravens all around, but the Steelers are going to be a lot better because of that defense and hopefully the quarterback is a little bit better than he was last year. So the AFC South, we're picking this and already we have the Houston Texans uh, down a game. So the Colts, the Jags and the Titans, who's going to win this? I'm tempted to go with the Titans. I know the Texans tend to win this on form, but I think I will go with the Titans, yeah. I'm going to go with the Colts, uh, just to be interesting. That's aggressive. I'm taking the Texans, but I'm not confident at all just because of last night and because of Bill O'Brien. The AFC West, the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Chargers. Is anybody taking anybody other than the Chiefs? You are? No. 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 Okay. No. Uh, okay, all right, let's talk about the, um, the NFC. And the big story here is obviously Tom Brady and what the hell is going to happen in the uniform of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we get to see the two oldest men slug it out on Sunday night. It's, it's an exciting start and it's the perfect start. Uh, somebody pointed out, I think, that they were just desperately trying to make sure that they got to this game and there was no injured quarterback. So we don't have to watch uh, whichever of the quarterbacks is actually going to take the field in New Orleans when uh, Drew Brees does miss the four or five games that he always misses and what, is, is uh, Tom Brady going to play all 16 games? We'll see. But this is one of the best off-season stories that any sport has ever had. It, it's the equivalent of Leo Messi actually following through. It almost never happens uh, where you have one of the greatest players of all time leaving the franchise that made him great and then still being just about good enough to compete. And in fairness, Keane, they put a, a good slew of talent around him. It's a much better situation for him um, in terms of offense than he was in last year. He will have a very talented and deep wide receiving core. It's about as good a situation as we could have hoped for as neutrals watching this, and it's about as good a situation as Tom Brady could have hoped for. Yeah, it is, and they had a lot of talent there. Like entering the entering this off season before they got Brady, they had Chris Godwin, they had uh, Mike Evans, they had OJ Howard, and they had Cameron Braid. They've added Rob Gronkowski and they've added Leonard Fournette. I don't know if Fournette's going to start. Bruce Arians is still talking about Ronald Jones, and I think Ronald Jones is probably the better option than Fournette at this stage. Fournette is a great for his specific role. He'll be a goal line back and a short yardage back, and that will work really well because that's the way Brady's offenses have worked in the past. And Mike Carlson talked about it during the week, and it's a very important 
important point. Bruce Arians historically prefers deep dropbacks and deep passing and intermediate passing, which is the exact opposite of what Tom Brady wants. Tom Brady wants to catch the ball, throw it quickly, you know, hitting Julian Edelman, hit Wes Welker, go deep when the opportunities are there, but don't force the ball deep. So it's, it's an interesting contrast of styles there that needs to be figured out. I think Brady's will win out, and it's for a specific reason, because while you've got all these new weapons, the Bucks offensive line is not particularly good. It's not going to give him the clean pockets he was used to in New England. So that's going to be a big contrast. And it's going to have to figure itself out because Brady's so old. It's not something he's going to easily overcome like he did in the past, which is why like, I, I think the, the Buccaneers are a better team this year than they were last year. I think they're a playoff team, but I don't really see them as the Super Bowl contender. I don't think if they went against the 49ers or Saints or any of the, the top AFC teams that they would be favorites or they would be convincing winners or have matchups to go to all around the fields to exploit. Ronan, how excited are you about this? Oh yeah, it's definitely, there are a few interesting wrinkles in terms of narratives going into the season, but I think this, especially for week one, tops them all, especially since there's no pre-season and they're probably playing their toughest game on their schedule straight out the gate, so can't wait to see it. I know Evans might be touch and go for this weekend, and it's going to crystallise a lot. I know people have been saying Brady didn't have the weapons in New England, but all, like on the flip side, people have also been saying maybe his arm strength isn't what it once was. But when he had Brandon Cooks, he wasn't afraid to air it out uh, three years ago. And, you know, you don't have to be overly precise with those long passes. You know, Brandon Cooks was known for just winning penalties and getting the ball up the field that way. So that might be an option for Brady. But, like, he's known for his underneath passing. And uh, I know Julian Edelman had the most drops last season, but he was also one of the most targeted um, players in that slot receiver position. I think Brady would probably be going for that again. Chris Godwin was very good you know, in the middle of the field yeah. last season. And Scotty Miller, Tom Brady has mentioned, an undue event, Jerry, I would say, during this uh, preseason, this is the guy who's going to line up in the slot for this season. So I think he's going to be targeted a bit more than, than people might think. And Leonard Fournette, I know the Jags have sort of pigeonholed him a bit as this bullheaded, straight-ahead runner, but I think he's, he's a bit more than that. And I think Tampa might get the best out of him when he's got a bit more spacing to work with. Yeah. And you're going to have to spread out because of the options they have. It's crazy. Like the three brilliant tight ends, three great wide receivers and and some other good options besides. Yeah, Ken, I, I think the, the three tight ends thing is something that like there is this, just this assumption that it, it's going to be nonstop passing down the field. By adding Fournette and having those three tight ends, they actually can just do a smash mouth if they want to. They can kill games and be really slow and run and run and run. Tom Brady isn't like um, Steph Curry. He is somebody who thinks his way through games and and decides and helps to decide what the offense is going to do to stop the opposition and to win matches. And I don't, I don't, I don't think his ego is going to be so big that like he's going to insist on uh, having 50 pass attempts and 40 completions in every match. If he thinks running the ball through Leonard Fournette 25 times is actually going to get a win in any of these big games, he's going to do that. Poor Steph Curry tuned in today and just caught a stray dig. Uh, I, I think the the interesting aspect of that is like Bruce Arians loves blocking tight ends, so he loves running the ball. It's always going to be uh, if I can get Fournette. Like he used to have Rashard Mendenhall in Pittsburgh, and he had Heat Miller there, and he wanted to have his two blocking tight ends and run the ball and run over them. And Brady was always happy to do that too. The last time they won the Super Bowl, they beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship by just running the ball with Sony Michelle. So they are both on the same page there. The the tight ends are like. The problem I have with the tight ends is we don't know what Gronk is. So Gronk took a year out of football. Gronk got very skinny. 
He apparently is not skinny anymore, but it's not easy to go from being extremely skinny to putting on all muscle again and being the big blocker that he was. But if he is that, you then have Cameron Braid and Rob Gronkowski as two outstanding blockers. OJ Howard doesn't really block. Like he, he was all, he's, the reason he hasn't been a star or, or break, broken out at this point is because he's been asked to block in that offense uh, previously. And you mentioned the, the slot receiver position there with Scotty Miller, which is interesting because Brady always likes those small guys who can turn quickly and get open really underneath quickly. But there was a lot of talk when Gronk signed there that OJ Howard would be traded. When he wasn't traded, it felt like he would make a lot of sense as a slot receiver. So the challenge, like Ron mentioned there, is you've got three tight ends, you've got three receivers, you've got extra role players. So getting everyone on the field and figuring out who's going to play with who and who's going to get the most snaps is going to be a challenge, but it's a nice place to be for the Buccaneers. And especially like last year, that skill or that skill group of receivers was carrying Jameis Winston. They were missing opportunities, had to make difficult adjustments, difficult catches. They were being thrown to at the wrong times. And the assumption is that Brady would, at very worst, make it easier for them by giving them passes that are easy, more easily caught, but also throwing to them when it makes sense to throw to them, which wasn't something Winston did often enough. Okay, let's talk about their opponents this week, the, the uh, New Orleans Saints, who I think have the shortest odds. The 49ers are the shortest odds of any team in the NFC to win the Super Bowl, but after them, it is the Saints. Is, is Drew Brees washed? It depends what time of the year it is. <laughs> he's very good early in the year. And after he's had to play 13 or 14 games, his arm dies a little bit. And this is each of the last three years now. They've been able to distract away from it because they've been able to blame big blown calls, especially that Rams call with the pass interference. And they, they point to all the other mistakes that happens around him. But Breeze has not played well at the end of the year. And even last year, you can't really say he rested because it was a hand injury, but when Teddy Bridgewater came in, they didn't miss a beat. And when Teddy Bridgewater was in, he was able to rest for a while and he still faded in the playoffs. But the Saints have done a really good job of adding around him. Like adding Emmanuel Sanders to Michael Thomas is an incredible move. That, that to me is probably the best starting tandem as a receivers in the league right now. Michael Thomas can catch 150 passes if you want them to, but no one's going to cover Emmanuel Sanders at one-on-one -on -one anyway. So the defense now is a very, very difficult proposition, especially if Alvin Kamara is fully healthy. Because Alvin Kamara last year played through a knee injury and had a down year. Now he's got his new contract. He looks like he's going to be a, a focal point again. So they have a huge amount of talent. I'm excited to watch them. Hopefully Breeze holds up because otherwise it's just going to be the same thing we've had over the last three years where they're a great regular season team and and then go out early in the playoffs. Okay, well, let's go through the divisions then. The NFC East, which is the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Washington professional football team. Um, Washington have the, the longest, no, the Panthers have the longest odds of any team to win the Super Bowl. The Panthers are 200 to 1, Washington are 150 to 1. Is there a possibility the Giants are actually quite good this year, Ronan? Their offense is actually, when you go through the talent and skill position players, pretty good. Yeah, just for the love of God, can we see Saquon Barkley in a good team before he loses his best years? Because the man's a sensation and it'd be good to see some functional offense around him and see what they could really achieve. And Joe Judge, I was skeptical about this hire, Jerry, at the time, but he's going to offer so many possibilities in the pick six for puns and stuff. So I'm just, I'm fully behind it now. But have you seen some of the stuff he's been doing in, uh, in training camp? I've heard about him making people run. Has he done other stuff? He's not. He's making players run. He's also making coaches run if the if their group makes any mistakes in training. So you can see Freddie Kitchens and the likes uh, doing laps of the field, which is is quite comical. <laughs> but he's also his D backs. He's making. He's taping tennis balls to their hands in practice so that they don't commit undue penalties. 
So, like, he's obviously picked up a lot of this stuff from Belichick, and it all seems a little bit voodoo for me, like a little bit, look how clever I am, I'm thinking outside the box here, but I think Joe Judge just needs to go in there, stabilize things a little bit, and just get them pointed in the right direction. No one's expecting them to win the division this year, but they do seem to have a competent uh, quarterback again, and that's no knock on Eli Manning, he just, he faded, you know, he, he was past his best for a couple of seasons there, but now they have someone who looks like they can build for the future, and I, again, I think this is a rebuild year, and Finally, I think they'll actually make some forward progress. Okay. Um, are the Cowboys realistic contenders for the Super Bowl, Keen? I think you have to say yes, really. Like as, as much as I'm not a fan of Mike McCarthy, when you add Everson Griffin on one side, you add Alden Smith on one side, you add Randy Gregory who's back amazingly, uh, you add um, CeeDee Lamb on offense, and the only big concern they have right now is there are a lot of changing pieces on the offensive line. Lyle Collins, it looks like he's going to be out for a while, and even while he's not a great right tackle, he's a, a starter, and Travis Frederick's already gone at center, so you're changing pieces. Tyron Smith's coming off probably his worst year in the NFL, but that's not really saying much because his worst year is better than 95% of everyone else's year anyway but of course for me like the the excitement for me is CeeDee Lamb like CeeDee Lamb coming in adding to Michael Gallup adding to Amari Cooper Blake Jarwin replacing Jason Witten at tight end means they've got speed all over the field hopefully because Garrett is gone and while we criticize Mike McCarthy and he deserves to criticize him based on his previous uh, regime in, in Green Bay he's more likely to spread the field and he's more likely to feed his wide receivers than Jason Garrett was which will actually make Ezekiel Elliott's job a lot easier and it'll make Dak Prescott's job a lot easier so I, I think they're far too talented to not contend this year obviously they've lost some on defense but I don't think that Byron Jones going I, I don't think that's a major major problem I think they can replace him especially if Leighton Van Der Esch stays healthy I think if um, if the Eagles have uh, the same quarterback start for the full 16 games that they're being criminally underrated here as well Ronan I just feel like um, so this is somebody who played really well got injured has not played well since he got injured if, if the back injury we know they're notoriously um, difficult to predict the offense actually has some pieces. He has wide receivers who are actually wide receivers to throw to mm. from the start. I, I mean, I, I think I think people are sleeping on the Eagles. Yeah, I think Carson Wentz was the first quarterback to throw 4,000 yards without having one of those wide receivers catch more than 500 yards worth of, of ball. So it's just, it's incredible what he was working with last year and what he managed to achieve. I think he's money. I think he's a brilliant player and just hasn't he's had a bad run of luck both personally and with the team in terms of injuries and they've had some injuries again this year and it might be a tricky start for them again but Darius Slay should be should sort out that uh, secondary issue that they seem to be having ever since the Super Bowl when they were pretty stacked on both sides of the ball they've, they've kind of struggled in, in certain sectors but yeah I think the Cowboys are are clear favorites but the Eagles be right there with them I'm sure pick the division for us who's going to win yeah Cowboys I think I think the Cowboys, the, the, a part of that, you mentioned the Eagles being underrated. A part of that is Brandon Brooks has gone for the year, one of the best linemen in the NFL. Andrew Dillard has gone, they're starting left tackle, so Jason Peters is back at left tackle. And Carson Wentz has already missed time for in, during this preseason. Like, even though there hasn't been games, he's had to sit out of a couple of practices. So, And they get the Washington pass rush in week one. I just think it's going to be a rough start. Okay. The NFC North, um, not a lot of good football going to be played here. Uh, the Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions, the Green Bay Packers, and the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, your dog is a fan of the NFC North, it sounds like, Ian. <laughs> um, the Vikings, you know, we, we, I, did we see who, who the Vikings were? Did, did they show us their true colours last year when they got absolutely annihilated? Uh, when they knew what was coming and couldn't stop the, the San Francisco 49ers? Or 
have they improved enough to suggest that actually they could go a step further and reach a Super Bowl and ultimately be beaten by either Lamar or uh, Patrick Mahomes? What's the story, Kian? They've changed a lot of pieces, but I think they've changed a lot of pieces to be the same thing. Like they haven't really upgraded their offensive line. They haven't they haven't really upgraded their offense as a whole. It's still very much going to be Kirk Cousins. Can he have three good games in a row, four good games in a row? And I don't think he's going to do that against a good team. But Dalvin Cook is still going to be the focal point. Stefan Diggs is gone, which is a huge loss. They brought in Justin Jefferson from LSU as a rookie. Asking him to replace Diggs in his rookie season is a huge task. It's not really fair to do to him. Defensively, like cornerbacks are are a complete uh, misnomer. We don't know what they're going to be. They've lost both their starters from last year. Actually, they've lost their three top cornerbacks from last year. So it's a completely new setup. They traded for Yannick Ngakwe and they retained Anthony Harris in the franchise tag. Harris franchise tag is expensive in my opinion it was a, a lot uh, Yannick Ngakwe is expensive as well they've now got two players on franchise tags but Ngakwe is coming in to partner with Daniel Hunter and he's replacing Everson Griffin who was one of the best defensive ends in the league last year so you've given up a draft pick and you've paid a lot to have basically the same thing as what you had last year but Daniel Hunter is entering the season hurt as well so for the immediate future he's not going to play the first three games so you, you kind of they're going to have a rough start again it's going to be tougher than last year when they beat the Falcons in week one having with Kirk Cousins only having to throw nine passes. I think all defensively, teams are going to be more set up to react to their offense this year again because they've seen a full year of tape and they know exactly what's coming. So I, I think the Vikings will probably be pushing for a playoffs. Like we have to mention again, there's seven playoff teams in each conference this year. So you're going to have a playoff team who's going to be a bang average team. Yeah. So the Vikings could be that team. Are, are they going to win the division? I don't think so. I think the Packers are going to win even though they're not better than last year. Okay. Um, anything about this you want to talk about, Ronan? No, I'd agree. The the Packers are, are favourites, and Aaron Rodgers looking good in in preseason by all accounts. Uh, apparently, there was some play from 2010 that he saw on film that has uh, revolutionised his approach and the approach of the team. He's not revealing what that is, and it might be totally made up. But uh, I think that's the the narrative around Green Bay. And then the other two teams, like you know, the Bears. I can kind of understand why Trubisky is named the starter because where do you go with him if if um, if Foles has a terrible start and you have to bring Trubisky back? You know you're kind of in a in a lose lose position there. And then the Lions, I'm not sure. Like um, Matthew Stafford, I do like a lot, and I think they were fourth in total offense last season before he went down, and obviously they went off a cliff after that. So I, I wouldn't rule them out necessarily. I think they've got potential for a high-powered offense, but I'd be picking the Packers to win that division. Okay, the NFC South, the Falcons, Panthers, the Saints we've already talked about, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, it is quite a, a big divisional game to get to get it started with um, on Sunday night, and it's at a good time at 9.25, so everybody can actually watch the whole thing. Um, who is actually going to win this division then, Kian? This is the toughest division in football. These are four good teams to me, and I'm amazed the Panthers have the longest odds to win the Super Bowl because they rebuilt really well this offseason. Not that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're a playoff team. Really? The Falcons... Are they not, uh, yeah, they're, is this not an organic tank where they have looked no. into the future and they think... Um, really? Teddy Bridgewater was not brought in there to tank. Uh, Russell Oakland was not brought in to tank. Robbie Anderson was not signed to tank. Christian McCaffrey is still there. DJ Moore is emerging as a, a top receiver. The offensive line is better this year than it was last year. Defensively, they're missing Luke Cookley, but you've got Brian Burns coming into his second year. You've added uh, the guy who I thought was Derek Brown, who I thought was the best 
rookie coming in this year that doesn't mean he's the best player coming in it means he's set up to be the best as a rookie because he's so well-rounded and so on back foot on the interior of the defense i think they'll be a better team this year than they were last year like last year they had kyle allen starting a lot of the year we think of the panthers as cam newton but he wasn't there last year and they really struggled to stop the run i think it'll be better against the run this year too so obviously they have question marks they're not a superstar team they're not a contender or a top team but i think they're a lot better than given credit for in terms of who wins the division it's probably between the other three teams, but I won't be surprised if the Panthers are an upset. Right. Okay. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think anybody thought that about the Carolina Panthers. And, they probably uh, don't. It's just me. You can get two hundred <laughs> to one about them to uh, to win the Super Bowl. So you know, each way that's um, that's not a bad bet if you think like that. And then finally, the NFC West, which is actually the best division of football. We all know that. It's the Arizona Cardinals, the LA Rams, the 49ers, and the Seahawks. 49ers 10 to 1, Seahawks 20 to 1, the Rams 40 to 1, and the Cardinals 50 to 1 to uh, to win the Super Bowl. I, I think this Arizona team is going to be one of the most interesting and fascinating things that has happened in American football over the last couple of years and great to watch. They've got like a small QB and an amazing receiving core uh, who can literally do everything that you want a receiving core to be able to do. So um, are, are, is, this a, is this a team that we're sleeping on a little bit here, Ronan? Yeah, I know a lot of people have been picking them as their sleeper team in the in the previews I've been listening to. So I think that by definition means they're no longer a sleeper team. I think they're, they're wide awake and a lot of people are picking them. But um, no, they're very exciting, like needless to say. And DeAndre Hopkins had some interesting social media activity last night uh, during the game. So I think he's quite happy to be in his new location. What was and, he saying? Uh, I missed it. Uh, he was just kind of subtweeting the the Texans' uh, demise. Like you would have noticed last night that Watson was sort of checking the ball down an awful lot. He he was looking up down the field and couldn't see anybody. And I think that's going to be you the story. Didn't have a single season. deep draw in the first half. No. So like I think David Johnson was rolling back the clock in the first half, but they uh, they weren't producing much besides. Um, but yeah, for for Arizona, very exciting. They were good last year, even with limited options and and Kyler Murray. Not the most vocal leader of the team by all accounts in terms of he's not the most uh, front and centre of the field. But when he's on there, he seems to be a galvanising force for them. And that was with not quite the, the healthy options they have this year. So definitely they're going to make some noise in that in this division. But it's, as you said, probably the strongest division in football. And I think this is the one that most people would be keeping an eye on. Um yeah, look, all of the teams are interesting from their their own different ways. The, the LA Rams, obviously, uh, in their new stadium, looks very nice. It's obviously going to be empty, so not much uh, benefit f- for them or to them in, in matches. Um, I don't know what to make of this Rams team, and I'm not quite sure exactly how this is all going to play out, Kian, because there is, there is a world in which their hotshot coach flames out. There is, there is a possibility that we've seen the best of this very young coach in this scenario, in this job, and that actually he's going to have to go through some setbacks that all coaching, particularly all brilliant coaches, go through uh, so that you come out the other side of that a, a wiser individual. He, he might still be in that learning phase, and uh, there were real signs last year that they were going backwards. Yeah, I think the Rams are the worst team in this division, and I don't think it's particularly close. I, I also think they're a big reason why it's not the best division in football. So if when Jalen Ramsey signed his new contract this week, I went through the Ravens foundation, the, the base of the Ravens team, which I think is the best team in the league. And they had, I think it was, was it 12, 13 players? 12, 13 players. They're, they're basically all the, be- the biggest players in, on the Ravens. And they added up to $66 million against the cap. If you look at Jared Goff, Jalen Ramsey, and Aaron Donald, they cost 75 million. 
So you've already put yourself behind the eight ball there where you can't build. They haven't had a first round pick since Jared Goff four years ago. So the roster has not been replenished the way it needs to be. In fact, it's been gutted because they've made so many trades getting rid of players like Brandon Cooks and Mark Speeders. They don't have the talent that they had when they went to the Super Bowl. They don't have anything close to the talent that they had when they went to the Super Bowl. Andrew Whitworth is still one of their best players, and he's at the point now where his career is kind of weaning off, and he's going to struggle. And the offensive line as a whole is lacking in quality players. And that's a major problem with Jared Goff, because Jared Goff isn't going to adjust to that. And defensively, you lost Corey Littleton, who was one of your best players last year, and you haven't replaced him either. So you've got a handful of quality starters on defense and a bunch of guys who probably shouldn't be starting, and you've got an offense that's just lacking in key positions. So Sean McVay is going to have to do an unbelievable job this year. And when you're Sean McVay and you can have probably 26, 27 jobs in the NFL if you wanted them, you're not going to stay with that unless you're just abnormally loyal. He, he can leave the Rams at some point over the next year or two and pick up whatever job he wants. Like the Jaguars in 12 months might have Trevor Lawrence and a clean slate. And while no one wants to go to Jacksonville because of all the problems they've had in recent years, Sean McVay is the type of guy who could say, yeah, I'll rebuild that. If I win a Super Bowl with the Jaguars, I'll be like the best coach ever because no one does that. So uh, it's going pear-shaped this season. Yeah, basically. And quickly, <laughs> or is he good enough at the moment to be able to make this team actually quite competitive and really good? No, I think it's going to be bad from the start. I, I think the, the, the problem for them is the, the 49ers are obviously much more talented, still very good from last year. They got rid of one or two pieces, but they have replacements brought in. The Seahawks, really lacking in pass rush. Major, major problem they have there is no pass rush, but the rest of the team and the coaching there is outstanding, so you expect them to be better than them as well. And I'm all in the Cardinals. The Cardinals are my Ravens from 12 months ago. Kyler Murray is exceptional. DeAndre Hopkins is obviously DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to have a knock-on impact on the rest of the offense, and defensively, they're getting better. So I, I really, like, the Rams are just so far behind in that division, I just don't think they're going to have have enough wins to even be a playoff team. Okay, all right. Um, what about the San Francisco 49ers then, Ronan? What do you think is going to happen with them? We've seen Kyle Shanahan uh, lose the Super Bowl and have a team that in the immediate aftermath had quite the hangover. Different, slightly different scenario. Not that different. I mean, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, Record-breaking difference. But also, uh, you know, a team blows a lead in the fourth quarter. Still a lead in the fourth quarter, however, however you dress that up. So uh, are the 49ers going to bounce back and win this division? I think they are, and even if they don't, like it's such, it's going to be so nip and tuck between themselves and the Seahawks that both of them are going to be there or thereabouts at the latter end of the playoffs, either way, in my opinion. And there is something to it, the Kyle Shanahan thing. Like on the field, it doesn't seem to be a huge issue week in week, but it's definitely a narrative that's building in the media, and it's similar with Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, where. Um, he hasn't won in January yet and that's already a building thing even though I wouldn't necessarily call that a trend quite yet and same with Kyle Shannon two games although they were high profile you know don't override some of the exceptional work he's done with this team a team which came from nowhere really last year and should be right in the mix again this year it's just um, there have a few things to contend with obviously Staley stepping away and I think his loss is probably more uh, Leadership-wise, than what he was contributing on the field just at this stage of his career, but I think Trent Williams is in there now to replace him, so should be a solid addition. And probably trying to readjust the the wide receiving core is probably going to be an issue for the first few weeks. Just have a few injuries to adjust to, but I think they'll be 
they'll be good again this year and the Seahawks will be right there with them too yeah they, they could actually win games without any receivers um, and they may have to for a while given the injuries that they have but the running back core is really good and their tight ends are really good so uh, I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see them just run the ball down everybody's throats for the first five or six weeks until Debo Samuel is actually fully fit again and Brandon Ayuk learns what it is to play so I, like, I actually think the uh, Seahawks are going to win this division this year they didn't last year on the basis of a goal line stop with like half the width of a football and it would have been them who ended up having um, home advantage and uh, a bye so it is absolutely nip and tuck between them and I think that it's going to go season on season off for the next while so I'm picking the Seahawks to win the division did you guys pick have you, you've, have you both picked the 49ers Cardinals you're I'll pick- go Seahawks I'll go Seahawks as well you're picking the Cardinals to win the division yeah right I mean, I, they, I, that's not that's not controversial. That's quite popular, as far as I know. The the Cardinals, like Kyler Murray, had a rookie season better than I think since probably Andrew Luck. Like his his rookie season was exceptional. It was just in Arizona, so no one cared. Right. That's um. I think I think it is a, a little a little bit out there. I'm not gonna lie. I think that. Uh, yeah, I'm, it I'm, wouldn't be like me, Joe. I am surprised. Uh, but if if they do win it, it's going to be an amazing year of uh, football where we actually get an opportunity to. Um, sit and watch those games and they're, they're playing the 49ers this week so that's a, a great start for that one uh, a reminder of course the snap and all our American football coverage is brought to you by the Erlingus College Football Classic like many other sporting events the 2020 game was postponed amid the global pandemic but 2021 now is obviously the focus everyone is really very hopeful that the Illinois Nebraska game can go ahead at the Aviva Stadium all the latest up to date information about the game and tickets is available at collegefootballireland.com what else are you looking forward to uh, most this weekend Kian? Just a matchup. So you, you mentioned that 49ers-Cardinals uh, game. Week one is always fascinating because as confident as we can be picking stuff right now, generally week one, things go bad. Uh, the, the one kind of thing we didn't really talk about because we were focusing on the NFC is the Broncos. And since last week, they've lost Von Miller and they've likely lost Court and Sutton, which pretty much derails my hopes of them being a really, really good team this year. And they opened that second Monday night football game against the Titans, which should theoretically be a benefit for them because the Titans are on the road, I believe. Historically, that's a really tough game to win as a road team. So the Broncos, I'm really looking forward to seeing Drew Locke because Drew Locke is a guy I'm excited about as well. The Steelers-Giants game on Monday night as well is actually kind of fascinating because you have... Uh, Daniel Jones in the second season and you've been Roethlisberger returning I think those two details could tell us an awful lot about those divisions because if Roethlisberger is fully healthy he plays well then suddenly the Ravens have a real contender in that division if Daniel Jones takes a big second second year step like as much as I think the Cowboys are the best team in that division that division isn't really locked up it's not certain to go to them so the Giants could take that step forward so there are so many so many details in week one week one's always really fun although last night's game kind of goes against that yeah, last night's game ended up being completely uh, predictable um, with the Chiefs covering the spread. We can have a look at the um, the fixtures here. So, uh, Kansas City Chiefs obviously have uh, beaten the Houston Texans. Uh, it's the Buffalo Bills versus the Jets. It's the Vikings versus the Green Bay Packers. Uh, that game obviously in Minnesota. Washington at home in uh, what's currently called FedEx Field against the Philadelphia Eagles. Baltimore at home for the Cleveland Browns. The Jaguars are playing the Colts it's the Panthers against the Las Vegas Raiders still not quite used to that and the Detroit that Lions could be a great game against the Chicago Bears I, I look I, I think the Raiders are going to be pretty interesting um, people who know what they are talking about suggest that John Gruden's offense is still very highly creative and he can still coach at this level so uh, we stick the second one up there again 
So uh, the Falcons and the Seahawks. Sorry, the Falcons versus the Seahawks. It's the Patriots versus the Dolphins. The Bengals versus the Chargers. The 49ers versus the Cardinals that we spoke about. And at the bottom of the other side, it's the Broncos against the Titans. The Giants against the Steelers. The Rams against the Cowboys. And the New Orleans Saints are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want to play you this video. Um, Patriots, obviously, at the Dolphins this Sunday. The Dolphins have released uh, a video saying what they're going to do ahead of the game. Have a look. Is it authentic? That's the mystery. Or is it just another symbolic victory? Now there's two anthems. Do we kneel? Do we stand? If we could just right our wrongs, we wouldn't need two songs. We don't need another publicity parade. So we'll just stay inside until it's time to play the game. Whatever happened to the funds that were promised? All of a sudden we got a collapsed pocket? The bottom line should not be the net profit. You can't open your heart when it's controlled by your wallet. Decals and patches. Fireworks and trumpets. We're not puppets. Don't publicize false budgets. Ask the pundits and we shouldn't have a say. If you speak up for change, then I shut up and play. If we remain silent, that would just be selfish. Since they don't have a voice, we're speaking up for the helpless. It's not enough to act like you care for the troops. Millions for pregame patriotism. You get paid to salute. Lift every voice and sing. It's just a way to save face. Lose the mask and stop hiding the real game face. So if my dad was a soldier, but the cops killed my brother, do I stand for one anthem and then kneel for the other? This attempt to unify only creates more divide. So we'll skip this song and dance. And as a team, we'll stay inside. We need changed hearts, not just a response to pressure. Enough, no more fluff and empty gestures. We need owners with influence and pockets bigger than ours. To call up officials and flex political power when education is not determined by where we reside. And we have the means to purchase what the doctor prescribed. And you fight for prison reform and innocent lives. And you repair the communities that were tossed to the side. And you admit you gained from it and you swallowed your pride. And when greed is not the compass, but love is the guide. And when the courts don't punish skin color, but punish the crime. Until then, we'll just skip the long production and stay inside. For centuries, we've been trying to make you aware. Either you're in denial or just simply don't really care. It's not a black-white thing or a left-right thing. Let's clean the whole bird and stop arguing about which wing. Before the media starts wondering and guessing, they just answered all your questions. We'll just stay inside. All right, so the Dolphins are not coming out. Apparently there's two anthems before the game. I didn't realize. Like, I mean, one is, okay, I understand that you're going to play the anthem before the game, but what's the point of the second one? I, I don't know what the crack was with that. The, um, the American, the actual American national anthem has some lines in there that are problematic. That's why it's the, the, the NFL's idea is, oh, we'll play the black national anthem as well as the white national anthem. And obviously players didn't fall for that nonsense. Okay, uh, fair enough. I didn't realize that um, there was a second one. Uh, every day is a school day, it turns out. Last night, there were 17,000 fans in Arrowhead and Houston stayed inside. I don't know, was there a second? Did they stay? They, they both were. So Houston didn't come out in the field before the game. Um, it sounds like the Chiefs did. And yeah, the, the Chiefs the Chiefs were out there and the, the big kind of thing from last night was they had this unity where they all linked arms in the field and they were just lined up in a straight line. There was no anthem playing, there was nothing. It was a, a statement of unity and the fans started booing and complaining and giving out and you could see Patrick Mahomes' face going, these are my fans, these are the people who support me and it was it was really, really demoralising and really awful, awful to see. Yeah, so the, the, you can hear the booing, uh, there's footage on, on Twitter, you could check it out there. So it's going to be very interesting to see exactly what happens uh, 
uh, off the field and what level of protest the players uh, take it on to you know they'll hopefully have been inspired by what's happened in the NBA as well so the, this is a, a season unlike any other because of the pandemic but also specifically as well because of the uh, power of the athletes um, to affect some change in the midst of election season uh, you know there's a if we want narrative, the NFL is going to give us plenty of it, both on and off the field. Um, last one from you then, Ronan, what else are you looking forward to most? Yeah, I think that is going to be a huge part of it, isn't it? The the off the field issues and I think the Ravens set the tone with their statement a couple of weeks ago and a, lot, a few teams have rode in behind like that video pointed to moving on beyond uh, fluff and empty gestures and that is the key. Like It's all about pointing to actual roots of reform and I know ESPN tweeted out something last night that this is the first time all the major sports and they reeled them off like there's a confluence of the sporting calendar in America that's never been here before where like there was huge NBA playoff game last night and it was kind of drowned out by the return of the NFL so there are distractions and I think the players are very keenly aware that they don't want them to be distractions from the real issues that they they are concerned about and that's going to be a, a constant throughout the season. But in terms of on the field, like I think Keen mentioned or hit most of the, the big games, but just because it's week one, there's interest everywhere. And even I mentioned the Bills to win the the East and like they're playing the Jets this week. And if you're gonna win your division, that's the kind of game you just you just win easily and it'll be interesting to see how they deal with the favourites tag. And the Ravens Browns I'm interested in obviously, but also because the Browns went there and won last year. And they produced quite a stunning performance. Nick Chubb had a, a brilliant game, and for some reason they stopped. Or they started taking the ball out of his hands towards the end of last season. I think they're going to be putting the ball back in his hands for most of this season, and I think they could be a, a bit of a problem for the Ravens, especially in the early going. But you'd hope that the Ravens can come through and and challenge the Chiefs for the AFC again. All right, folks, great to have you with us again. Uh, the football is back. It started last night. And next week, we'll have a full slate of games to analyse and to look forward to again. So my thanks to Kian and to Ronan. You've been uh, watching us on The Snap this week. The uh, YouTube version will premiere a little bit later. So you've obviously been watching us either on uh, Facebook or indeed on uh, our Twitter stream. So that's uh, twitter.com forward slash off the ball. Best place to get us these days, though, is on the OTB Sports app. Download it free gratis and for nothing from the App Store. We'll see you next week. Take care. OTB's American Football Show, The Snap. That was an OTB Podcast Network presentation. 